And here's why. Let me, let, me, let me tell you why. We have spent, we've been in ministry since 2001. And there have been two times in ministry where we, well, I can tell you off the top that we have spent an extensive amount of time on a particular subject. One time, some of you who were here a long time ago remember, we talked, what was it? He, he shake, what was the series? The Fruit of the Spirit. We, for 32 weeks straight, we talked about the Fruit of the Spirit. When we got through, we had some of the most self-controlled, long-suffering <laughs> people in the world. Why? Because for 32 weeks, we immersed ourselves in nothing but the Fruit of the Spirit. And then in 2003, we literally spent 41 weeks 41 weeks talking about the love of God, talking about the horizontal and the vertical relationship, that our vertical relationship with God impacted our horizontal relationship. And let me tell you something. I, I want you to hear me and hear me good. If this relationship is not understood in the biblical context, your relationship with people this way is going to be jacked up. Because you're going to relate to people this way based on your experience rather than based on what God has said. I give you a prime example. How many of you ever, how many of you ever heard the saying, fool me once, shame on. But fool me twice, shame on. And fool me a third time, ain't going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know where we got that from? From dealing with people based on our experience. How many of you know you'd be in a bad shape if God was like, uh-huh, fool me once. <laughs> Fool me twice, huh? How many of you know that God literally, on a daily basis, is forgiving you? On a, no, 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 no. So you think about this stuff. No, on a daily basis. Let me set you free this morning. Close your eyes. Ain't nobody going to do nothing to you. Raise your hand if you can think of one thing you did this week in which you consider was sin. Raise your hand. Okay? Put your hand down. For those of you who didn't come up here, because I need to pray for you to get that lion spirit off of you. Okay? Because you did do something this week that even you would consider sin. We all do. But God ain't tripping about our sin issues. Amen. Oh, I wish you'd hear me this morning. People say, oh, well, you know, all, listen, all across America, people are getting it this morning. They're getting whooped about sin. But you know what? Amazingly, it's just going to be about one scene. Oh, yeah. We, we, we started watching people this morning on TV. They already talking. They already screaming and yelling at every homosexual out there about how they're going to hell. And I can imagine that every single one of them are going to run to the altar and repent. That's what you did when you were fornicating, right? Yeah, the preacher, the preacher preached about fornication and you had just woke up out of somebody else's bed. Uh, and so you ran to the altar and gave your life to Christ and never did it again, right? 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 Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Oh, you, you well, Pastor, I was a virgin. Yeah, but you lied every time you got a chance. I mean, in fact, people saw you coming, and before you said something, they were like, he ain't lying. Somebody, you, you say something, people smile, you're like, mm-hmm, you get to the, like, you ain't lying. Because <laughs> you just lie all the time. We just, we knew you did. But, but people, the preacher preached about lying, and you came up to the altar and gave your life to Christ and never lied again, didn't you? So you lying now. <laughs> What I'm trying to get you to understand is that if we don't get this thing right right here, it don't matter what we talk about. The relationship we have with other people is going to be jacked up. 
And I want to show it to you in the word of God. Amen. And so this morning, we don't have the screens we usually do. So if you want to do a little work this morning, you got to go with me to Matthew chapter 22. So get your smartphone. Or, you know, for some of you, your, your, your you know, average phone or whatever it is you got. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't hating on your technology. I'm just saying whatever you got. Just get it, whatever you got. Your Bible, your tablet, whatever you got. But let's go to Matthew chapter 22. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I choose, I choose to love you. Because love loving is a choice, man. Loving is a choice. If you don't think loving is a choice, check out the salvation story. God took his only begotten son and he gave it to the world so that you could be a part of the family. That's a choice. I'm not giving up none of my kids for you. You're going to give him a foot? She like, don't even, ask, don't even finish your question. I'm not giving up my child. Howard like, nope. You got to make it how you make it, but I ain't giving you my baby. But Jesus, but God didn't do that. Literally, he was like, if I give up the most precious thing to me, my reward is I get many sons and daughters. But I want you to see something in here because I'm telling you, I, now I got staying power. Amen. You won't hear another message about anything else other than love until 2025, until we get it right. That's what we got to do. But as a church, we're going to be a people who learns how to love other people. And I ain't talking about people who look like you. It's e how many of you know it's easy to love folk who like you? Because you think you all that anyway. So it's easy to love somebody else who fits that category. What's difficult is to love somebody who you absolutely disagree with. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, you are diametrically opposed to the things that they say, yet you treat them just like your best buddy. Oh. Let, take, let's take your neighbor say, neighbor, neighbor. Let's, be real. let's be real. We all, we all got, some work to do. got some work to do. We do. We got some work to do. We got some work to do. And, and, and you know, I, 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 am, I, am, I am not immune to it. You, you start to argue with me, and I start to argue back. And, and before you know it, if, we're, if, if I'm not careful, because you're not being careful, I'm not careful because I'm not careful. It's not somebody else's fault. My wife has taught me that. <laughs> but if you ain't careful on your part, I'm subject not to be careful on mine. I got to work on that. Because love says that even if somebody comes after you, that you continue to behave the way Jesus would. Amen? And when you see that not happening, how many you know you got work to do? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. I, I have work to do. Now, Matthew chapter 22, is that what I said? Let's look at Matthew chapter 22. We're not going to read all this. I want to just help you understand that there was a group of religious people called the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And if you weren't careful, they would make you sad, you see? <laughs> So, the, so, so these Pharisees and Sadducees, they were these religious people. They were learned people. They had read all the scrolls. They knew all the right things to say, all the right things to do. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, Jesus began to expose them. Because what Jesus began to do is to say, hey, you know all this stuff, but you don't do all this stuff. How many of you got kids? How many of you ever told your kid to do something? They say, I know. You're like, well, you need to clean this room. I know. Well, you need to take the trash out. I know. You got to improve on those grades. I know. No, you don't. Because if you did, no, you would do. 
So Jesus was saying to them, you don't know. You say you know about the kingdom, but you don't know about the kingdom. Because if you knew about the kingdom, you wouldn't behave the way you're behaving. So I want to show you something in Matthew chapter 22. And, and, and I want to read something, and then I'm going to show you something in chapter 23, then we're going to come back to chapter 22 again. But let's look, let's just start at verse 29, okay? So Jesus is having this conversation with these religious people, and here's what he says. It says, Jesus answered and said unto them, that's the Sadducees and Pharisees and all those religious people. He said, you do err, or you do make mistakes, not knowing the scriptures, nor what? The power of God. He says, you err, you, you think you know, but you don't know. There's a whole lot of people who are proclaiming what God is disappointed with, but they don't have any idea what God is disappointed with. Let me help you. My life did not fall apart on Friday when they announced that homosexual marriage was legal in all 50 states. Sean and I did not run out and get a divorce, nor are we planning to. In fact, my finances didn't take a financial hit. I didn't get sick in my body. I didn't get sad or depressed. But you know why? Because I wasn't that way the day before. And the power of God was the same the day before as it is today. So if somehow legislation has reduced the power of your God, you err in knowing the power of God. If somehow some, some decision to afford a right to a particular group of people who you may agree or disagree with has diminished the power of your God, you err in knowing who your God is. He then says this to them. He says, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the, as, as the angels of God in heaven. It says, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you, unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. In verse, 20, verse 33, it says, And the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his what? Doctrine. They were astonished at his teaching. Now, to me, when I read this, this, this throws up a red flag for me. Why would they be astonished at his teaching if they were experts in his teaching? See, here, here, here's the question that you can't skip over. These are people who are experts in all things of God, but yet, when God speaks, they're astonished. Let me help you. It's a whole lot of folk who are experts on what the pastor said. There are a whole lot of people who are experts on what church doctrine said. It's a whole lot of folk who are experts on what they think. But yet, when God really begins to reveal himself, people get astonished because they think they know God, but they don't really know God. You don't get to know God through observation. You get to know God through participation. And most people aren't participating with God long enough to get to know what God is saying. And so Jesus literally is saying to these people, he says, listen, here's the deal. You guys are thinking this way, but here's the way it is. And the people said they were astonished at what he said. Now, how many know whenever somebody says something that astonishes you, you push back? Mm -hmm. and, and, and literally, we see it happening right now. We see, we see people are, are, are pushing back. And I have to say this, and I don't care how you really feel about it because I got the mic right now. But here's what you need to understand. The, the issue of, of, of whether or not we give people the right to marry of the same sex, 
You can say it's a religious issue if you want to. It really is about a civic issue. It's about a civic issue. People say, but this is a Christian nation. No, it's not. Yes, it is, Pastor, because the founders in the country, let me help you. They came here to America so they wouldn't have to be a part of the Church of England. They said, we don't want it to be one church, and everybody got to believe that. So we're going to come over here, and where, we, where, where everybody gets to be what they want to. Now, at the time, it happened to be what they want to was either Quaker or Pilgrim or something else. But we've expanded. Here's what we got to understand. You can't act like everybody is going to agree and believe with your doctrine. Here is what the Bible says very clearly. Because the lawyer tried to trip Jesus up. He gave him pushback and he says to him in verse 34, or verse 33, or verse 34, it says, but when the Pharisees, these are the learned people, had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered together. Now see, they didn't just go right to him. They were like, ooh, he shut them down. So let's figure out a question we can ask him so we can expose his, 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 his error to everybody so that that way people won't believe him, they'll believe us. And that's what people are doing all across America. They're preaching things right now, not based on scripture, but based on doctrine so that people will believe them and what they say rather than what God's word says. Verse 35, it says, and then one of them, which was a lawyer, see, it's always somebody smart in the group, <laughs> asked him a question. But he didn't just ask it. Notice what it says. Ask him a question doing what? Tempting him, saying, master or teacher, rabbi, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, notice this. What is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto them, and I love this. He says, here's the greatest commandment. That thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? All thy heart and with what? And with what? He said everything within you, you got to love the Lord with it. Amen? He says this is the first and great commandment. Amen? But notice what he says in verse 39. He says, and the second one is what? Like unto it. Now, now we don't speak like that. We don't, we don't speak like that. We don't speak like unto it. He says, here's the first rule. The first rule is you got to love God with everything you got. Your heart, your, your mind, your soul, everything. He says, and the second one is equally proportionate. In other words, it is no greater or no less. And it is to do what? To love your as your He says, on these two things hang what? All the, all the commandments, every law there is. So let's be very clear this morning. Let's be crystal clear. If you're not loving people, how God loves people. We don't give a dang about what you're talking about. Because what you're saying doesn't work. And y'all ain't no cussing. Y'all got, y'all just, just weird guy like I'm about to go. I done scared my wife. Because here's, here's the thing. He's, imagine this. Imagine. Imagine a curtain rod, okay? You know, a curtain rod can only be sustained if it's got the, the little end pieces, right? So you, on one end, you got love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. On the other one, he says you got another one that's equally proportionate. Now, how many know that if you hang those things, you put one here and one here, something's going to look crazy? 
How many know if you put one here and one here, something's going to look bad? What do they have to do? They have to be what? Even. They have to be even. He says, so imagine this curtain rod sitting evenly on these two commandments. He said, and everything else in the word of God hinges on this rod. So you want to put faith on there? Slide it on the rod. You want to put love on there? Slide it on the rod. You want to put forgiveness on there? Slide it on the rod. But if it's not based in love, it's going to fall off eventually. And so what's wrong is we got a church that's heavy on the loving God part. I mean, in fact, they done stuck it to the ceiling. But they got the loving each other part on the baseboard. So literally your rod is going like this. So you wonder why everything you start off with just keeps sliding to the ground, just keeps failing, just keeps dropping. You can't, have, you can't have productive relationships. You can't have a productive career. You can't have productive children. Why? Because your rod ain't even. Your rod's not even. That's what Jesus says to them. He says, notice this. He says the second one is equally as important. He says, he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So everything that every prophet has said and every commandment that God has ever given has always been motivated by what? Love. It's been motivated by love. How many of you know when you get saved, we teach here at this church that one of the first things you got to learn how to do is to operate in what? Love. But we talk about faith. Okay? We say faith is important. Why is faith important? All of the promises, come on, fast class. All of the promises of God are received by faith. So if you're going to receive a promise from God, you're going to get it by But the Bible says that faith only works when it's activated by Imagine this. Imagine that you had a flashlight. You ever been frustrated because, now, now some of y'all don't got kids who play with your flashlights. But if you ever have kids who, used to, who play with flashlights and they just leave them on and they put them in the drawer, and how many of you know you can go months and months and months without needing a flashlight? But then when you need a flashlight and you go get the flashlight, you turn it on and, and it doesn't work, isn't that frustrating? Why? Because you have the tool. But what's wrong? There's no back, there's nothing operating. See, you were born, watch this, with a measure of faith. You want to know why your faith doesn't work the way it's supposed to? You ain't walking in love right. Oh, oh, well, pastor, I, I, I can believe, I can receive. Yeah, but there's going to be a limit to your believing and receiving to your love grows. The Bible says like this. It says, okay, so when we talk about faith, we know the opposite of faith is what? Fear. But the Bible says perfect love cast out. In fact, one, trans, one translation says perfect love, it says love takes fear and cast it out of doors. So if you get love working in your life, there can be no fear. So the only thing that works in your life is faith. And the Bible says that when you believe, all things are. Mm -hmm. So why is it that we have this issue if love is so important that people don't spend more time talking about love? I told somebody the other day, if I was not already a born-again believer, if I was not already convinced of who God is, based on what I read in the last 48 hours, I wouldn't have nothing to do with none of y'all. You're mean, you're, you're nasty, you're hypocritical, you can't argue intelligently. 
Not you. The other people I'm talking about. And it's like, dude, I must, I love it. A, a, a lady who is a professing atheist sent Pastor Sean this message. She said, look, I don't agree with any of your religion theology. I don't, I don't even believe that there is a God. But I respect the intelligence in which you put your argument together. I respect the fact that you can say, you know what? As human beings, we got to treat everybody with some dignity. We got to treat everybody with some respect. That, that, that person may not ever come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But watch this. You ain't got to offend everybody who's not a Christian. A Christian's job is not to go around offending. Well, the, well, the Bible says we'll be offended for the gospel's sake. Yeah, but we've been offended for your sake. That, there's a difference. Now, then look at verse 23. I mean, chapter 23. I'm, I'm going to show you why... I'm going to show you why people run from Christians. And I'm going to show you why we're not going to make them run from us. Matthew chapter 23, when you got to say amen. Now look at verse 13. Matthew chapter 13. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. We must learn to stop being so religious. I didn't say being Christ-like. I said being religious. Religion sucks. People trip out when I say that, but it's, religion sucks. Why? Religion will take you out of bondage and put you back into bondage. It'll take you from an 8 by 8 cell on the left side and put you on an 8 by 8 cell on the right side. That ain't freedom. Watch this. If you was a slave back in the day in Alabama and they took you to Arkansas, you didn't feel free. <laughs> you were still a slave. You weren't like, oh, I made it to Arkansas. You were still a slave, buddy. Why? So, so, so what happens is, is the church goes out there and knocks on doors, and we tell people, if you come, God's going to love on you, and, and your life's going to be better, and we bring them here, now watch this, with the same junk that they had at home. Why? Because when you travel, you travel with all of you. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. everywhere you go, there you, are. there you are. And so we go get people from the, from the gutter most, and we bring them in, and all of a sudden get, we, we're surprised that they still have the same behaviors. And then what we do, rather than loving on them and giving God a chance to talk to them like he talked to you, listen to me, hear me. They told me, and my mother's here, they told my mother when I was a little bitty boy that I was supposed to be a preacher of the gospel. If you had known me from 3 to 23, you'd have said everybody you knew lied. Because my behavior did not match that. But you got to remember, you didn't get it right the first time either. Oh, you saved now. You sanctified now. You speak in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance now. You lay hands on the sick and they recover. You a tither now. You don't miss church now. But there was a time we couldn't get you to come. There was a time when you, when, when, when you, when you weren't thinking about church. There was a time you was building your schedule so that you didn't have to go to church. Like, we need somebody to work on Sunday. Ah, I got it. I got it. I do it. I do it. You volunteering to work on Sunday. So tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Give people, give people the same grace, the same grace that, you that you receive. 
And so when people come to Fellowship of Champions, that's what I want them to hear. Look, we, yeah, we got some folk in here who got it together. I mean, if you took all of our degrees and put them together, we could plaster this wall with our degrees. We have, most of us have obtained things our parents never dreamed about. But watch this, that don't mean you don't need to grow spiritually. Oh, I know you got six figures and, and you doing well and, and you driving good, but that don't do any good if you're still running around mean as a rattlesnake. It don't do any good that you and your wife both live in a big mansion when you have to because you can't stand each other. Because if you live in a small house, you halfway kill each other because you can't stand each other. That's not victory. Now let, let's see, let's see what happens. Verse 13. Now look at this. It says, but woe unto you, what? Scribes and, what's the next word? Hypocrites. All right, now watch this. See, y'all wake up when y'all hear hypocrite because y'all start thinking about other people. <laughs> See, yeah, you hear hypocrites, you're like, oh yeah, I told, you just start naming people in your head. Don't start, don't start thinking about other people. Don't start thinking about other people. Hypocrites, we talking about you this morning, amen? It says, you shut up, watch this, you shut up the, this is Jesus talking. He says, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, watch this, for you devour widows' homes. It says, and for, a, and for pretense, you make long prayer, Therefore, you shall receive the greater damnation. I love verse 15. It says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land. Watch this. He says, you go everywhere. He says, you go over the sea, you go over the land to make one proselyte. In other words, he says, here's what this means in, in the vernacular. Here's what he says. He says, you guys go everywhere trying to get people to come into the kingdom of God. He says, you go by boat, you go by land, you do everything you can to get people to come into the kingdom. But watch this. He says, and when the person comes or when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Jesus says, now, he's, now Jesus is talking to a group of people who are supposed to be helping people become Christ-like. He says, but woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. He says, what you do is you stand out in the hallways and you make long prayers so folk can see you praying. He says, but that don't do you any good. He said, I commanded you to take care of children and widows. He said, but yet you go and you take advantage of the widows. You devour their houses. He says, and lastly, you go by sea and you go by land in order to make disciples of people, but when they come into the church, you do you treat them so bad, you make them twice as bad as a child of hell. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. that's yes. not, right. not right. That's not right. We should, listen, we are better off not to go and get people and bring them into the kingdom than to go get people and bring them into a kingdom and treat them like that. You know the easiest people to minister to? I'm not, I'm not joking with you. The easiest people to minister to is people who have never had a church experience. Because if they've had a church experience, and it's been a church experience, not a, not a God experience, 
They have been so hurt and so jaded, you, you got to talk 10 times more to bring them back to starting point. Why? Because church people are professionals at ranking people to make sure they're on top. Oh, I want you to come into the kingdom, but now we got we to gotta work on some of that stuff you got. And I need to point it all out so that you know I'm better than you so you can listen to me. But you just raised your hand and said you seen this week. So then we all, and so we're all equal because we all need the same grace this direction. Now I want you to do something for me. Go to Psalms 86. Now, I'm going to read something. Now, I, I want to just see something because this, this is great. What kind of translation do you have, Misty? I have the New Living and the King James. Okay, you got New Living. Who has something else besides the New Living translation? I have the Amplified. You got the Amplified? All right, so New Living, Amplified. What else you got? Okay, the, who, the message. So let's do the, let's do, okay, the message translation. Who else? We got another one uh, besides that. We got New Living. We, uh, we'll read out of King James. All right. Psalms 86, and I'm going to read verse 11. Y'all all right this morning? I'm going to read, starting at verse 11, but I'm going to read verse 15, and then I'm going to ask a couple others of you to read verse 15, because that's what we want to focus on, okay? Now, here's what Psalms 86 and 11 says. It says, teach me your ways, O Lord that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. With all my heart, I will praise you, O Lord my God. I will give glory to your name forever. Verse 13 says, for your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. Verse 14 says, O God, insolent people rise up against me. A violent gang is trying to kill me, but you mean nothing to them. Now, here's my verse 15. Listen to what it says. It says, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Okay? So, so this is a psalm of David in which he's crying out to the Lord and he says to him, he says, but, he says all this stuff is happening, but verse 15 he says, but you, O oh Lord, you are God who is what? And mine says merciful, you are gracious, you are bounding in your steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, Mr. read verse 15 out of yours. But you, O oh Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Slow to get angry. Anybody catch on the characteristic? Slow to get angry. Talked about love. Sean, what does yours say? But you, oh, oh, if you're going to use the mic, you got to read like they do in the. In the no, no, but. Oh. Oh, okay, okay. I'm going to say, because you got to read, you got to be like, but the Lord says. No. Uh, okay, all right, all right. Kenosha, you know, dude. I get a mic to Kenosha. You know, I give me a reader now. <laughs> all right, all right, go ahead. Let me, be, let me behave. But you, oh Lord, are. You are, but you, O oh Lord, are God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and loving kindness and truth. Loving kindness and truth. Loving kindness and truth. Okay, who else going to read one? You get the message translation? You want, I'm going to let you read. 
She only to read the King James. Okay. But you, O oh God, are both tender and kind, mm. not easily angered, immense in love, and you never, never quit. Oh, that's good. Immense in love, tender, and never, ever quits. You know what you're going to read, King James? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they need it for the tape. So tell Rick to hold it, please. Read, sister. Some of y'all ain't seen read yet. <clears throat> but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. And truth. And truth. Amen. 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 <laughs> Listen, when you read that, it is undeniable. It is undeniable that God doesn't trip out when things are going bad in our life. Amen. I love it. It said he's tender, he's compassionate, he's loving, he's, he, he's true, he, he, all of those things. So what I'm telling you is that God was those things on Wednesday. And, and regardless to what the Supreme Court said, he's that stuff right now on Sunday. He's going to be that next week. He's going to be that five years from now. He's, he's, he's going to always be that way. So we spend all this time tripping and talking to each other about, about whose sin is worse than anybody else's, but God is tender toward us all. And if God is tender toward us all, and the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world, we ought to be tender toward other people. I don't care what your sin is. I don't care what you've done. If you have sinned and been forgiven, you ought to be able to be tender towards somebody else. Amen. Amen. Now, that, that, that's just the Bible. And, and, and you can talk about, and listen, let me help you because I, 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 want you to, I don't want you to walk away misunderstanding. I want you to understand we are not a church telling you to have a free for all. You, you are free to do whatever, whatever you want, but you aren't free of the consequences. Okay? Now, that, now that's just the truth. But what we would rather do is spend time empowering you than beating you up. Because if we was going to beat up everybody for each of our sins each week, we got to start at about 8 a.m. and we ain't going to get out to midnight. Because we all just in here collectively got enough stuff it would take days to deal with. And so rather than doing that, we want to focus on God's love. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, God is, God is. Love. love. Now, understand, God doesn't have love. Because people say that sometimes. God doesn't have love. God is. He is love. God is love. And so love is this special and, and complicated thing that we call an emotion. But really, it has nothing to do with our heart. It has everything to do with our head. Tell your neighbor, say, love, love. is a choice. In fact, the ancient Greeks and Romans, they came up with these terms that they used to symbolize what love is because they couldn't define it with one word. And so I want you to just think about these for just a moment. There's four kinds of love. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. There's four kinds of love, and we're going to talk about the last one for the rest of our time. There's four kinds of love. The first one is called eros. Eros love. Well, what is eros love? It's basically this passionate, intense love that invokes romantic feelings. It's the kind of love you have that make you say, I love you, after you ain't been out for three times. 
it don't last. Eros love, if Eros love is all you got, you're in trouble. Okay? Eros love is, is, is intense and, and, and watch this, it's conditional. It's the, Eros is the most conditional love there is. It is the one that says, I love you. Ooh, I saw you with somebody else the next day. I can't stand your tail. See how fickle Eros is? Eros will throw you away. So Eros love is not the kind of love we want to be focused on in the church. Amen? The next one, the next kind of love, is called storge. It's, it's the love that you have for family and friends. S-T-O-R-G-E. It's the kind of love that I have for my family, for my friends. It's, 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 how many of you know you got that friend and get your last 20? You know, you know what I'm talking about? You, 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 got, you got a friend, you got some friends who if you ain't got but 20 and they ask for 20, you're like, man, I ain't got it. <laughs> and then you throw this in there, I wish I did. Because you want to be compassionate. I mean, I wish I had. If I had, you know if I had, you had. But you got some people, though, who you have deep connection with. And it's, a, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a romantic kind of love. And, and, it's, and it's not even a, it's not even really, it's not, it's not unconditional. Because how many of you know folk done love folk but didn't pay them back and they fell out of love? The quickest way to get folk out of your life is to let them borrow some money. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you know what? I've been tired of you for so long. You want to borrow 500? Yeah, because they don't pay you back. People are done with them. They done. Can't tell you that number of people. My wife and I have a policy. We do not let people borrow money. If you need something and we have it, you can have it. Because if I let you borrow and I expect you to pay me back and you don't, then I'm going to get in my feelings. So, so, so we don't do that. So this, this love is a friendship kind of love. And that's good and you want that in church, but how many of you know that's, that's, that, that can't be enough to sustain you either? And so then this next one is the one that we're really all familiar with. It's called phila, phila, a philo love. Or philo, or phila love, depending on how you want to pronounce it. But basically this is the, this is the love that you would have that causes you to get married. It's like, you know, I, I want to be with you. I want to spend my life with you. I can't imagine, you know, not, not being with you. I, I give you all my money kind of love. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I deposit my money in your check kind of love. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all like, that was funny. People was like, mm -hmm. see, son? <laughs> I, I wish y'all could have been up here right then. <laughs> They're like, I don't love you that much. Uh -uh. Keep going, Pastor. All right, let's go to the next one. The last one is the one I want to talk about. It's called agape love. And agape love is this unconditional love. It's the love that sees beyond the outer surface and accepts the recipient for who they are. It accepts the recipient for who they are. You know, have you ever heard somebody say like this, man, as soon as I get my life together, man, I'm going to start coming to church. Have you ever, you ever heard somebody say, they say, man, I just, I got to get myself together before I come up to the, to the house of the Lord. I don't want to be playing around. You know, they say, they say all these things, but how many know that agape love says, I will accept you if you never set foot in the church building, I'll take you just how you are. We tell people all the time, you don't have to wait to come to church to get saved. You don't even have to wait till the end of the service. If you decide right now you want to be saved, while I'm talking, you can forget what I'm saying and say, Lord, I want you to save me. He'll save you right then. 
Because agape love is an unconditional love. It accepts you just how you are. There is nothing worse than saying you love somebody, but every time you talk to them, you're trying to change them. Husbands have to be careful not to do it to wives. Wives have to be careful not to do it to husbands. We have to be careful not to do it to our kids. If I love you, I accept you for who you are. Now, wait a minute. Let me make sure that I clarify this because I don't want you to walk out here saying, Pastor said accept everything. That's not what I said. What I said is you accept people for who they are. In other words, when people show you who they are, believe them. Sometimes they show you who they are, and who they are is not good for you. So you accept them for who they are because you love them. But that doesn't mean they're good for you. And it doesn't give me the right to change them. What it may mean is the best thing we can do is be over here and over there and love each other. Because again, amen. Y'all got some folk in y'all like, hey, amen on that one. The reality of it is, is that I don't have to agree with you to love you. That's what agape love says. Right, listen, do you think, listen, God wasn't angry with you when you were out there sinning. The Bible says that while we were yet in our sins, he was reconciling us to him. Here's what reconciling looks like. It's like, you ever, you ever been fishing and you take your fishing line and you, you cast it out there? Well, when you cast it out there and then what do you do? You begin to roll it back in, right? Literally, we were way out there. God threw a hook to us, and while we were flapping around, doing everything we wanted to do, he was just rolling us to himself. He was just rolling us to himself. We acting a fool, we lying, sleeping, stealing, cheating, smoking, getting high, every time. He just kept rolling. He just kept rolling. Get divorced, he just kept rolling. Eating, gluttony, kept rolling. Being disrespectful, not obeying parents, kept rolling. And he just keeps rolling. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. neighbor. Sometimes, Sometimes when you meet folk, you, meet you folk, just got to keep rolling. Keep rolling. Yeah. They may not be the person that they, they're supposed to be, but you keep being like God. You just keep rolling with them. You just keep rolling with them. No, the, the, see, people, got, people used to get mad at me because literally, I wish he was here. People used to get mad at me because they would invite me to go places. I would go places where people were cursing and acting up and doing all kinds of stuff. And they was like, man, don't be doing that. That's past the street. And then it's always funny. The people go, oh, man, I'm sorry. And then they get real good. It's like, dude, God saw you before I ever showed up. It's like you've been cussing in front of Jesus the last 45 minutes. Cussing in front of me. And I, and I, I appreciate it because people are trying to be respectful. But I want you to think about the mentality of that. I won't cuss in front of a man, but I will swear in front of God all day. Why? Because this relationship is messed up because I don't understand this one. This relationship says if I cuss in front of a pastor, the pastor's not going to like me. This relationship doesn't understand that if I cuss in front of God, God's going to love me anyway. Now, am I encouraging you to cuss? No. What I'm saying is, if you have a cussing problem, God loves you anyway. And you ain't got to try to fake it on this level. But if you fix this relationship, this one will take care of itself. The problem is we all want to run trying to fix on this relationship. Amen? 
Now, God loves you. And in fact, there is nothing that you can do that's going to make God stop loving you. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus on a mission to die for you. The Bible says that God has love. Uh, the, the Bible doesn't say God has love. It says that God is love. Love is the nature of God. Love is God's nature. God created, watch this, he created the universe, he created the planet, he created the human race, and then he created you because he said he needed someone to connect with. Now, I mean, no, God could have God created an animal and just kept connecting with the animal. That would have been cool. But the Bible says that you and I were made in his image. So literally, if God, don't think about it, if God is love, and you are made in his image, you are what? Love. The only reason that you don't operate in it is because you live in a place full of sin called the world, and we have been conditioned to act like it than act like who our nature is. Your nature is to love. Your nature is not to hate. People be like, I go from zero to 100 real quick. I know, because you practice that. But, but God don't be going zero to 100. The Bible says he's long-suffering. Watch this. Long-suffer. You put them together, he put up with your mess for a long time. He says, so if I'm long-suffering with you, I'm asking you to be long-suffering with other people. How many of you ever heard somebody say, well, you have to, what's, what's that saying? You have to feed them with a... a, a that ain't in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. Stop saying that. Now, I don't know. I ain't going to say that. I don't know where it's from. <laughs> well, she said she grew up Baptist. They said that in the Baptist church. I don't know where they said that. I just know that ain't in the Bible. The Bible does not talk about dealing with folk with no long handle spoon. <laughs> but, Pastor, that just made good sense. It don't make God sense. It don't make God sense. Can you imagine God feeding you out of his hand? And you mess up, and you take a step back. You still stretch a little bit. He's feeding you out of his hand. And you mess up, and you just keep stepping back. Some of y'all right now, God be throwing grain at you. <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he had to just keep taking steps back, you, you, you had to open your mouth, and he just chunk it at you. But God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. God is constantly loving on us. He's constantly in our face. He's constantly wanting to tell us, that don't worry about your mistakes. I got you. Don't worry about that. If you are constantly hearing voices about how bad you are and how wrong you got it, watch this. That's the devil. The Bible says that the devil is an accuser of the brethren. God's not accusing you. In fact, the Bible says he takes your sins and he casts them as far as the east is from the west. God ain't tripping about your sins. He wants relationship. He wants to love on you. And so we've got to get an understanding of God's love to us so that we can have an understanding of how we're supposed to be loving other people. God made you so he could love you and so that you could love on him and so that you in return will be able to love on his other children. God's love for you is the reason that your heart is beating right now. How many know that you don't have the power to wake yourself up in the morning? Anybody, watch, anybody ever overslept ever? Ever overslept ever? Yeah, because you didn't have the power to wake yourself up. 
God's love flowing to you is what causes you literally to live. The gospel itself is God's good news that he loves you, and it's your good news to know that God loves you. He loves you when you, feel, when you can feel it, and God loves you when you can't feel it. God loves you regardless to whether, to, to whether you're tall or short. He loves you to whether you are a, a, a deep Christian or not. And watch this. God loves you whether you're straight or gay. God loves you whether, you're, whether you just got through fornicating last night or you're planning on what you're going to do tonight. <laughs> See, everybody texting ain't taking notes. Amen, Pastor. <laughs> A- amen. Yeah, everybody texting ain't taking notes. But understand, even if you're doing that, God still loves you. Why does God love you? Because God's love is the preeminent force in the universe. God's love is preeminent. Now watch this. We use this word preeminent. How many know if somebody says, hey, there's danger that danger sounds bad, right? But if somebody says, hey, they're in imminent danger, you don't even got to know what imminent means. Content clues say it's worse. It means it's pressing, right? So God's love is the preeminent force in the universe. So every force there is is subjugated to God's love. Sickness is subjugated to God's love. Depression is subjugated to God's love. Every sin is subjugated to God's love because God's love is the preeminent force in the universe. That word pre means before. So in other words, whatever is first, God's love comes before it. So it doesn't matter what you try to say is first. Faith is most important. Forgiveness is most important. It doesn't matter. Love comes before it. And because of that, God wants you and I to understand that his love was designed for everybody. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, there is nothing you can do that will stop God from loving you. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. I don't care what, what doctrine you have listened to. You can't go to the word of God and find where God ever stopped loving anybody. Jesus told them, and, and here's what people say, and I want to debunk this because I had a great conversation with a lady on Facebook yesterday. And because she was open, she was able to be turned around. Sometimes people ain't open. They, 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 just, they just choose to be closed and stupid. Sometimes they just choose to be there, whatever. So what happens is, hear, hear this. So when we begin to talk about God's love, you have to Stop thinking of love in terms of your personal relationships. That's good. Okay? Because if you think of love in terms of your personal relationships, you will always equate God and you will limit God based on those experiences. You ain't experienced a love like God's. And that's the reason he keeps calling you closer to him so you can experience more and more every day. You can't assume that because someone treated you this way that God's going to do that. But human nature looks at patterns. And human nature says, what is the pattern of behavior that I see? So when you start seeing things, you start putting things together in your mind. That's why you have to really study who God is because he's not like anybody else you've ever known. 
He's not like anybody else you've ever known. And so you start to equate all of these things. Understand, cultivating the love of God in your life and then sharing it with others is the key to the Christian experience. You cannot be a person who says, I love God, but then never show love to other people. The Bible says, how do I know that the love of God is in you? And then he answers the question, he says, because you love the brother. How, how do I know you love God? I can tell by the way you treat other people. So, and you just, I'm going to say this like, I'm going to say it like he said it so you understand why I'm saying it. When you get up and you call people bad names in church, that's not displaying the love of God. You know, and I love how we, how we taper things down, except for certain groups. Certain groups we got vile names for. Other people we call it other stuff. Like we use words like shack. How about whoring? See, see, see. No, ooh. I mean, people, got, people who were asleep was like, what? What I'm doing, huh? I heard whoring, what? That, that's really, because that's really what it is. You're sleeping with someone who's not your spouse. That ain't shacking, that's whoring. And it, yeah, see, 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 and it freaks people out when I say it, but, but that's what it is. Okay, let's use a sophisticated word. Whoremongering. So it's whoremongering. You whore. And depending on where you're from, you leave the W off. I ain't never scared. You got to learn to show the love of God to other people. Amen? You cannot look at somebody else's sin and then equate that your sin is less and therefore you are better. You know, I, I tend to be a little aggressive sometimes. And so I try, so. <laughs> what y'all talking about? So I try not to be aggressive on my wife's Facebook page because her Facebook page tends to be a little, a little, a little different than mine. Uh, her, her Facebook page allows for comments, but there's a certain way you got to comment. On my Facebook page, you can pretty much say whatever you want to as long as you're not cursing and calling people out their name. You can even be sarcastic if you want to. Uh, it, it tends to get the point across sometimes. Pastor doesn't like it on her page. I forgot that this morning. So this dude was saying to her, you know, and I, and I always have to be careful because I feel like if you say something kind of like crazy to my wife, you like coming after her. And I'm like, I'm like, that, I'm like, dude, you don't even know who I used to be. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you don't even know. And so, so, so I have to be careful to not go to her page when she's debating like that. So anyway, this guy says, he says something about homosexuality, and Pastor Sean says, oh, he says something about the fabric of America being torn apart or something. And she was like, well, no more so than it was when people was having babies out of wedlock and blah, 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 days before. And he said, yeah, but homosexuality, he said, yeah, but I think homosexuality is the, is the worst kind of scene. And I said, well, you can think, and I put it in big letters, you can think that little green men live on the moon, but that don't make it factual or true. So you can think what you want. You can be, you, he's, he's like, but I, I'm being sincere. You can be sincerely wrong. It is possible to be, I have been sincerely wrong before. In fact, last weekend. Uh, I'm not trying to tell on me. I'm not trying to tell on me. Right, I got the, I got the mic. I ain't trying to tell on me. <laughs> 
No, but last weekend we was having a conversation about how the Supreme. <laughs> no, I ain't say. I see. I ain't say nobody name. I ain't say nobody name. I was saying we was having a conversation about something that was going to happen, and somebody was very sincere about their belief, but they ended up being sincerely wrong. But it didn't take away the sincerity. So you can be sincere about something, but it doesn't mean that you're right. And you can think a thing, and because you're thinking a thing, doesn't mean that just because you think it is right. So you gotta, we gotta make sure, so, so we gotta be careful to say, well, I don't, I don't think God could forgive somebody for that. That's insane. That's not what his word says. His word says he can forgive us for everything, amen? In fact, it says that he had. Now let's look at this. Nothing in your life, not your finances, not your family, not healing, nothing in your life works work, works to its potential or will work long term until you perfect love. You have to perfect not only the love relationship here, but you gotta learn how to love people this way. Listen, over the next year, you mark my words, there are gonna be people who are gonna to come to Fellowship of Champions because people in other places are gonna make it very clear they're not wanted other places. They're gonna make it very clear. And I'm telling you, we're gonna make it very clear that we love everybody. We're gonna make it very clear that we, now you can't, we ain't accepting, and, and loving everybody don't mean accepting everything. People don't seem to be able to take those two and pull them apart. You know, just, just listen, I am a firm believer in there's a proper way to discipline your children, okay? That, that doesn't mean that I'm going to um, not love you because you don't discipline your kids like I would mine. It also don't mean that if I see you doing something that I think is abusive, I won't turn you in. In love. I will lovingly call scan on you. If you take a shoe and hit a kid upside the head, wah, 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 oh, I'm calling on you. Well, my mama did to me, that don't make it right. And so it's important that you understand that we gotta learn how to deal with each other. We gotta learn how to deal with each other in love without, I don't know what that is, we got to learn how to deal with each other in love without this thing that says, I don't love you if I don't agree with you. I don't have to agree with you to love you. We ain't even got to talk about the stuff we don't agree about if we know we don't agree about it. Pastor Sean and I don't eat pork, but when we go to eat with people, we ain't like, you're going to order that ham sandwich? <laughs> we don't make people feel uncomfortable. He's going to eat that pork. That's, and then we get deep, that swine. We don't do that. Why? Because I don't have to agree with you to love you. If, if pork makes you happy, eat that pork. That's fine. But at the same time, don't be talking to me about, well, what is you, Muslim? You don't eat pork, you Muslim? No, I don't eat pork because I choose not to. You eat it because you choose to. I love you. I love you too. There you go. That's how it works. And we gotta learn to do that. Now, there are there's some there's some there's some tenets that we have to agree on if we're gonna be in good company. The the word uh, companionship, uh, that word literally is translated two men in a boat. Now, it sounds funny when you think about it, but how many know if you got two men in a boat? They have to be rowing in the same direction or the boat won't go anywhere. 
So companionship says we're headed in the same direction. Now, that don't mean we have to agree about everything, but we got to be heading the same direction. I, I can't, I can't, I, you can't be my best friend and, you're, and you hit your wife. You can't, you, we, we can't do that. We can't hang out. If, that's, if you think that's okay to do, uh, we can't hang out. I can love you till she kill you, but I, mean, I can, but I love you, but, but, I, but I can't be your best friend if that's your behavior because I have to surround myself with people who are headed in the same direction and hitting my wife ain't the direction I want to be headed in. I hang out with you long enough and I see you do that, I might be, get, get spry. See? See? That won't work out so well. So I got to make sure I keep myself in the right environment, amen? That's why we want to be in an environment of love. So when people come here, they feel love. I remember the first time Liz came. Can I, can I say this? I remember the first time Liz came. I didn't know Liz. She, she came, Tamara invited, I think. She came in. She was cool. You know, she said hi. It was real polite. But I could tell that, you know, she was just, just, just first time visitor. You know, anytime you go somewhere the first time, you're kind of like, who are these people? Man, we got to doing praise and worship, and, you know, and Liz got to praising the Lord and everything, and after she was hugging everybody and everything, and, 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 and she had a great time. And I remember she told me, she said, you know, I, I'm, I'm an atheist. And I was like, well, girl, I don't think you are. <laughs> I, like, I don't think you are. I ain't gonna say you ain't, <laughs> but I don't think you are. <laughs> but you know, and she literally said it was the love she felt, the non-judgmental love that just allowed her to be free. You know what? There are people who say they're atheists because it's easier to be atheist than have to admit you are a, uh, hanging around a bunch of hateful old Christians. It's easy to say, I don't believe God. If you represent him, I don't believe him. And so we got to make sure that if we're going to advertise, that when they come, we deliver. In fact, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, don't advertise if you can't deliver. I'm closing with this. Watch this. I want you to see this. I'm going to give you seven scriptures. Just write them down. Seven scriptures about the love of God that you need to look at and study this week. You ready? Number one, I'm not even going to read them. I'm just going to give them to you. John 3.16. Number one is John 3.16. Number two, Romans 8, 37 through 39. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The next one is Zephaniah. Go to the front of your Bible. Find Z. Turn to whatever the page that start with. We'll find whichever Z. This guy's Z. Zephaniah 3.17. Listen, laughter is good for the soul. You know that, right? I, I never will forget that time I was in church. And I was looking for this book of the Bible because of the, how the pastor had said it. And I, I, it threw me. He said, turn to Habakkuk. <laughs> I was looking everywhere for Habakkuk. Man, I think he gave me an extra five years of life. I laughed so hard. All right, next one, 1 Peter. 
5, 6 through 7. And the last one is the one we read. I'll give it to you again. It was uh, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. And then Psalms 86, 11 through 15. Here's what I want you to know. You can choose to love on people. You don't have to allow doctrine and disagreements to cause you to be hateful and spiteful and mean to people who are different than you. And I'm going to say this as Edwin Strickland, not as your pastor, but I find it extremely challenging for African Americans to think about the fact that 48 years ago, you and your husband couldn't be married. Illegal. Incarceration. Loving BBG, 48 years ago on June 12th of this year, they, for, prior to that it was illegal for interracial couples to be married. Some of y'all wouldn't be here. So you got to be careful that just because it doesn't fit into the nice, neat box that you built for yourself, that you don't show love to people. I ain't telling you got to compromise your beliefs. We we, we, Pastor Shun stated it very clearly when we got started. She told you what we believe. If you don't know, ask. We'll tell you again. It ain't going to change. But I'm going to always finish my statement when you ask me if I think homosexuality is wrong. I'm going to always finish my statement before, I, before you cut me off. It is yes, I believe it's wrong, but I believe shacking is wrong. I believe lying is wrong. I believe stealing is wrong. I believe, I believe gossiping is wrong. I believe having a bad attitude is wrong. I believe taking money from other people who don't belong to them is wrong. I think you cheating on your taxes is wrong. No, you ain't got no five kids. <laughs> Claiming them people on there, making them social security numbers. That's illegal. That's wrong. That's sin. It's all sin. But that's, the question shouldn't be, is it sin? The question should be, how does God want me to treat people? Yeah, yeah. We're asking the wrong question. Not, is it sin? You can read the New Testament. They had something called the law. The law said everything they had to keep. Jesus came, he said, because they can't keep the law. He said, so I have come not to destroy it, but I came to fulfill it. So that now what you couldn't keep, you now can keep through grace. I'll finish with this. People say, well, pastor, is homosexuality a choice or are people born with it? Here's what I will tell you. I really don't know. I'll be, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know. I've read the medical research that says it was, and I've, read the, and I've seen people who said they were, and now they weren't. So, so, so I don't know. Here's what I do know, though. Being overweight is a choice. <laughs> See? People don't like that. See, people don't, oh, Pastor, you always talking about, I'm fat. <laughs> I choose to be this way. No, no, here's what I mean. I choose it because I don't do something different. When you sleep with somebody who's not, who you're not married to, that's a choice. 
You don't fall in the bed. I mean, come on, y'all. You got dressed up to go out. You knew what your intentions was. You rented the hotel room yesterday, dude. <laughs> no, you, you rented it yesterday. You, you, had it, you had every intention. That's a choice. Being rude is a choice. Being rude is a choice. I can't help it. My whole family, you as a choice. Ain't no rude trait in the DNA code. You learn how to be rude, so you rude because you keep being rude. But it's a choice. So if all of those things are choices, okay, if they are choices, and God forgives you for that, and God loves you, and God graces you, and all of those things, then okay, what if homosexuality is a choice? How is it any worse than all the things you choose to still do? And all I'm saying to you is if you're going to have those arguments on Facebook, you're going to be on Twitter. All those things I think you got to say, you better be able to answer the question. Because the last thing a divorce pastor could be talking to me about is homosexuality. <laughs> this is your third marriage. <laughs> and you talking to me about homosexuality? Your third one. And you got a girlfriend. No, no, because see, nobody wants to deal with that. Everybody wants to act like everything is gravy, but it ain't. You got people in the church, not this one, sleeping with each other. But all everybody can focus on is one sin? Let's, what's that old song, Mama? You know what, Mama, I love you. I used to hate on Saturdays when we had to listen to 88.3, that blue station. Oh my goodness. She would make us clean up and we have to listen to that old blue. I don't like the blues now. But what's that song you gotta do? You gotta, what is it about sweeping? What is it called? Sweep, what is it? Sweep around your own front door. I used to hate that song. It's gospel? Lord. It sound like blues to me. It sounded sad. It came on Saturday on 88.3. But listen, you do. Take care of yourself. If you spend time taking care of yourself, I'm telling you, you will have a lot less time worrying about everybody else. Amen? We're all imperfect people serving a perfect God. And if we'll just focus on that, I believe everything will work itself out. God will bring, I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven. Or not. <laughs> but but, I, but it's, I think we're going to be surprised. We're going to be like, oh, how'd you get here? We're going to be like, how did you get here? <laughs> how did you make it? And you know what we're all going to say? By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Amen.